Well, Bill, Hawkeye playoff hopes came crashing back down to earth this week. Yeah, I um, I don't know, man. I, I sure didn't want to pick Iowa to lose that game. Looks like Tory was right, though. Um, and, you know, kind of the same fashion that he, he predicted it. So what a bummer. Isn't it interesting, though, I'll just say, like, you and I finally kind of <laughs> succumbed to buying into some optimism and Tori tasted the dark side. And, and, uh, and, and I think the lesson here is never believe, right? <laughs> never be optimistic. It uh, is. It is. They're just yeah, setting I, you up for heartbreak. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think six touchdowns against IU and, and the great game uh, Stanley had against Minnesota, um, you know, had me forgiving the, uh, you know, one touchdown uh, effort against Maryland, but I don't know. I, I think um, that's that's probably closer to what we can expect, maybe from this offense. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, welcome to Twelve Saturdays, the coming down party. I'm James Bladel, and with me is Bill Delahant, and uh, we're missing Tory uh, right now. He's doing some big shot newspaper work type stuff, um, trying to keep that industry alive. I think. Uh, but uh, we'll probably join him a little bit later. And Bill, you're you're out in California for a uh, a work trip. I am. Yeah, it's my wife's work work trip, so I'm I'm along to babysit. So well, that's even better because you get to go on the trip, but you don't have to actually work. Exactly. <laughs> although although a point could be made that I'm working harder. I don't know. I don't. You, you've heard the story though. Dads don't babysit. Don't let don't <laughs> let him call you that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, at least, but you did find a, a game watch down there in, uh, yeah, watched it, watched it. Well, we were up in Santa Monica this weekend seeing friends and, uh, watched it at the, the high club game watch there. And I actually met, uh, taken from Hawkeye report T A I K. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, Super nice guy. Um, but yeah, yeah. Big game watch and, uh, immediately following the game, we took my son to the beach. So. Awesome. Yeah. Didn't even have to, to sulk around and, and cry in my beer. <laughs> well, I was uh, telling my wife, you know, that last week was kind of like a, a, a week for daydreams. I mean, there was a $1.6 billion lottery jackpot um, that I never played the lottery, but, you know, you, you got to throw a couple of bucks at that. And then, sure. uh, and then everybody talking about Iowa being a dark horse for the college football playoffs, if they could win out and, uh, and uh, you know, somehow, you know, come out of the big 10, uh, big 10 championship, they couldn't be denied a spot in the playoffs. And, and I was like, really, is this real life? You know, and just, and of course, you know, both of those bubbles burst uh, uh, over the weekend. But, you know, what's interesting is I, I picked, both of these games as a loss at the beginning of the year. So why am I so frustrated when it actually happened? Is it because the narrative changed that much just in the last couple of weeks? Penn State was not the Penn State of the last couple of years, and 
Iowa was showing like, you know, some offensive firepower we haven't seen in years. So is that why I'm so ticked off? I think that's a great point. And actually I did not. I picked Iowa to go ten and two, but I picked Iowa to split Wisconsin and Penn State and then drop uh, you know, the uh annual stupid what the hell one. Mm. Um Hey, could this so, be our stupid what the hell loss? You could even throw the Wisconsin one into that. I mean, <laughs> Wisconsin, you know, Hornybrook had the game of his life and we were suddenly unsound in special teams, you know, stupidly so. And this last week, yikes, that's that's one that I'm going to delete from the DVR without ever watching again. So maybe, I, I mean, if if that's how we get to 10 and 2, um, I'll, I'll absolutely take it because right now I think 9 and 3 uh suddenly well and I, th- I think it's interesting hornybrook's game of his career like you said it, all he did against us was just not screw up i mean he was, mm-hmm. not, he was not phenomenal but he just yeah he didn't come up with his you know he wasn't reliable uh in his two or three turnovers so like he was with northwestern of all teams so right um, and i didn't need to, to hijack your point there because um you did make a good point that the you know the the scott doctorman interview um you know and not just him but a lot of the experts saying that you know, this Iowa team's for real. And yeah, I think uh, I'm not, not schizophrenic or up and down. You know, I read the same, you know, clippings that everybody else does. And yeah, um, for once I was a believer. And Tori was, I guess, just unbelievably prescient in not believing this week for a change. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. Uh, he, uh, I guess we drank his half full mm-hmm. glass of Kool-Aid or something. And he drank the half empty glass. So well, you know, and it's, I think for me, it was frustrating because, you know, and, and you've heard me just, just lament the 2010 season. It's a, we're always complaining, you know, as Iowa fans, we just never get a fair shake. We never get a shot, you know, and when, when the, the stars align and the, you know, the four leaf clover gets hit by lightning and whatever, <laughs> and everything's just perfect. And, you know, Wisconsin goes down and Purdue goes down and you're playing this, Penn State team and, and you go up early I think what was it 12 12 nothing early yep um you know you got everything's kind of going your way and you're thinking you know is this it is this when things finally you know we finally get the opportunity and then just to kind of squander it and and I think the fact that it really in my opinion it it really came down to three plays there was the um um the uh, miss on third and short to wide open mm-hmm. Hawkinson. There mm-hmm. was the interception that was basically a pick six. And then there was obviously the, uh, the, the backbreaker was the, the pick on the goal line. And for me, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, you get one of those to go the other way and you win. Mm-hmm. You get two of them to go the other way and you win easy. And, 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 uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, I, you know, you hate to see the whole season come down to those, come down to a kicked punt uh, in um, uh, Wisconsin, you know, against Wisconsin, or uh, um, you know, a, 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 what was the other one, the, um, the fair catch on the three yard line. I mean, you hate to mm-hmm. see all these things just kind of add up, but it starts to feel like 2010, where you've got all this talent, all this possibility, all this opportunity right in front of you, and you just kind of you know, fall on your face. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to 
revert back to my negative self, but we haven't even played Northwestern yet, which is, you know, every every game against them since, you know, Randy Walker took off is yep. has just chock full of those plays. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, we got Purdue. I mean, obviously not the media darlings uh, that they were last week, but uh, um, still I think that, uh, what's that guy's name? Ronald? Jeff or, Brown. Ro- no, Roland. They're, they've got that one. Oh, yeah, number four for them, and shame on me for Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore, yeah, name. Rondale Moore. Yep. That guy's insanely good. I mean, you know, you so know, good. You put some somebody quick on him, and hopefully, you take away um, a lot of their game. But, but you know, Northwestern, uh, it, like you said, they're getting hot now. Um, and in fact, they are the only team in the West I think that controls their destiny. Um, yes, and uh, so they're getting hot, and then, um, and and I know it makes the cackles on the back of your neck stand up, but Nebraska is not the dumpster fire it was a couple of weeks ago, although I hesitate to say they've got the ship righted. I just feel like they're just kind of more like a, a wounded, you know, raccoon or something. They, you know, they, they're mostly pointless, but they could still bite you and give you rabies, you know? I, I think we're going to have to score some points to beat Nebraska, and that remains to be seen if, if we can actually jet do that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know. Well, I think I, I gotta believe. I gotta believe that you know the the scoring drought was an aberration. So because um, um. and I wanted to to bring that up at, at some point um, during the podcast, and and maybe now is as good as time as good a time as any. You know, we generally do not score. 20 points or more against power five teams in the last two years. I mean, we, we got to play Minnesota and Indiana who are near the bottom of their, um, uh, divisions in the big 10. Um, and we, we were able to get some, some points out of those, but against Iowa state, we had 13 against Wisconsin. We had 17 against, uh, Maryland. We had 16 against Penn state, six offensive points. I will give our offense the touchdown that, uh, Rastetter through to Brinks to get us to 13, boy, but you know, a, an argument could be made that that was truly a, a special teams touchdown. So <laughs> what, how come our offense yards are there, but we just can't put points on the board. Yeah. And that, that worries me going forward. Cause we're going to have to score points to keep up with Rondale Moore, and, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a concern. I think that, uh, well, let's, let's first give credit to, you know, the Penn state defense was probably the best we've seen all year. Um, especially, uh, who was that guy that had, uh, as, as, as a hyphenated name, the last part was like Gatos or, um, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. And, I mean, and, that guy's a monster yeah. mm-hmm. and he had, uh, Ellert Jackson just beat down all day. Yeah. Um, which is probably why he had three false starts. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think somebody said that um, all they were doing was they were just getting enough of a push on the uh, on the pass rush that that Stanley could not take a step into his throws. And so all of his throws were just arm only as opposed to I'm not a quarterback's mechanic. I don't know if sure. it's bullshit or if, if it makes sense, but but it, it sounds like it makes sense. Right. Which is the hallmark of most bullshit. But <laughs> but it, it's that, you know, that he he was kind of not able to take that, you know, take that step up into the pocket and, and, and step into his throws. And so everything was either, you know, um, you know, way overhead or, or aiming at everybody's shoelaces. And there was just no in between, but he was way off. And, uh, 
And um, the running game started to get together. I don't know what's going on with um, Ivory Kelly Martin, but I'm starting to think that Makai Sargent is your is your bell cow at this point. Um, what are your for the thoughts? season, yeah, for the season, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth over who's better, who I like better, Torin Young or Makai Sargent. I, uh, you know, I, I know what the staff has said about Ivory Kelly Martin. He had a great long run against Nebraska uh, last year, which right. had me really enthusiastic for him. But, uh, you know, even in his, uh, what, 98-yard effort against Maryland, I, you know, it was, he was just picking up four-point-something yards of a clip. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not going to get too down on him because I want to get up on Makai Sargent. I, yeah. he, he looked great, and, um, you know, Torin Young didn't have a high – yardage average but he was he was adequate so i'm not too worried about the run game yeah i'm not i i don't know i just i i think um kelly martin is obviously banged up a little bit but i think you know if you can get by with the other two maybe you know give him a break this week um torn young i think um is you know your power back in fact i I was telling Tori, we were watching the game together when it was first and goal from the three. I'm like, you've got three minutes to burn and you could go up by one. Why are you not just, you know, pounding this right up the middle with Torrin Young three times in a row? Exactly. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up. And uh, you know that I'm not Monday morning quarterback and, or uh, coaching here. Um, I've been saying this literally for years that when I become emperor of the universe, it's going to be illegal to go and shotgun inside the five yard line because, because <laughs> you have to move the ball three feet and essentially you're saying, nah, screw that. Let's move it eight feet or three yeah. yards, eight yards. Yeah. I, I just hate that. Also, you know, there, there, that is a great point. Run some clock off because you know, Penn state's dangerous. We've already seen McSorley run at 50, whatever yards. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, bang it up the middle a couple times. And if you score a touchdown, awesome. And if you don't, now it's second down and you've lost 40 seconds from the from the play clock. So, or from the uh, game clock. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. Yeah. You can go on and on and on. We can just, you know, torture ourselves with this probably uh, uh, all day. But, but you know, it's not a, it's not a total bust. You know, I mean, we're sitting here doom and gloom like we're, uh, like we're Illinois or something. Um, you know, it's worth pointing out that, uh, the college football playoff just came out t- tonight. Uh, we're mm-hmm. recording this on Tuesday, and Iowa's 16th. Okay, so you know, obviously not the playoff, but they they think high. Uh, the committee thinks more of us than we did um, than the AP and the coaches poll, which only punished us one point, uh, one spot. Um, right. You know, like we said, you know, win out, and I think the next two weeks are the you know the the toughest of the two remaining games. Get you know win out and you're still going to Indy and maybe you're not playing for college football championship. You win and you're a two loss team. You're probably going to the Rose Bowl. That sure. wouldn't suck, you know. Especially if you not draw at all. if you draw somebody like I mean the Pac-12 is a hot mess. I mean you probably have a, the only chance in my lifetime of actually winning the damn thing. So we could be in a very very happy mood, uh, you know, come January second. But um, and and wondering why we were so down in in the dumps that you know right after the Penn State thing. Um, but here's hoping, yeah. I mean, yeah, just the way in which we lost that game. It's it's certainly one that I don't think anybody can be blamed for. Yeah. Uh, kind of lingering on. Well, you you're absolutely right. I was always good for one 
uh, sometimes two really dumb losses in a season. So let's just say I'd, I'd rather have those dumb losses come against Penn State and Wisconsin than, uh, um, you know, uh, Purdue and Northwestern and North Dakota State. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> let's let's call these our head scratchers. Uh, there you go. And then uh, and then win out and uh, go ten and two and and um, maybe make this a, a memorable season after all. But but we've got to flush this one. And uh, and move on to uh, um, to look ahead to uh, the rest of the season. All right, let's flush it. Well, welcome to part two of Twelve Saturdays, and we lose Bill, who's still out on the West Coast, um, frolicking about in Los Angeles. But we gain our old friend Tori. So, welcome back, Tori, and thanks for you know deigning to uh, bless us with your presence. Yeah, I don't know. I think I might just be screwed up about the uh, pending daylight savings time shift and Wait a, a little out of sorts. And you're blaming you know that... this. You're blaming this on pre daylight savings time. Yeah, Jim, I need a lot of time to prepare. <laughs> I, I'm a creature of habit. So, <laughs> no, I just I had a lot going on yesterday. Got home late, and uh, Bill needed to podcast right away, and I I wasn't ready. So, well, but I'm here now, and Bill's gone. So, so I'm I'm this week. I'm the glue that's holding this yes. thing to get. Well, God help us all. So you're, uh, you're the twelve <laughs> podcasts uh, kind of slutty girlfriend. <laughs> you're always available when I guess needed. So. I guess so. Well, so Bill and I talked, uh, you know, obviously we talked about the Penn State game. We talked about how disappointing it was to kind of come crashing down to earth. And we did kind of mention how ironic it was. Ironic? I don't know if it was irony or how interesting it was that he and I had finally bought into the hype. But you um, were hedging a little bit. You were kind of on the fence and you turned out to be right. And so I think the lesson and the takeaway of last Saturday was, you know, just never believe, never hope. Never, never, uh, never be an optimist. And, uh, I don't know, is that, are you, are you coming around to like the dark side now, Tori, or? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because for me, hope springs eternal, but uh, as an eternal optimist, though, I've also learned to, uh, temper it by expecting the worst and being excitedly and surprisingly happy when something good <laughs> happens. Okay. So, um, you know, expect the worst and hope for something better, I guess. I guess the, if you want to talk about irony, the, the irony, and I pointed out in the Tuesdays of Torby column this week, is that I had predicted the loss before the season. I predicted the loss on this podcast, and I predicted the loss of the breakdown on Hockey Report. And yet Saturday, you were here. You saw it. I was still really pissed. <laughs> That's what we were saying. We were like, lost. wait a minute. When I chalked up. This season is going out. This season how? is going exactly as I predicted. I predicted a loss to Wisconsin and a loss to Penn State, and I'm super, super pissed off about that. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I actually pr- predicted a loss in the non-conference too, either to Iowa State or Northern Illinois. So technically, we're way ahead of my preseason, and I'm super, super frustrated. Well, I mean, it is about the how, you know. I mean, it, like, uh, there's good news and bad news here. The good news is the fact that we're mad shows that Iowa has significantly closed the talent gap and the uh, game planning and coaching gap that it seemed to be developing against some of the higher class Big Ten teams. Um, they should be undefeated right now. They should have beaten both teams on their schedule. Uh, I have to tip my hat to a little bit more just because, you know, they played a clean game. 
But I was talking to Mark Emmert in the office today, uh, and we were talking about how the Penn State-Iowa game, it was two teams just trying desperately to get the other team to win, mistake <laughs> after mistake. And as we've seen, uh, Iowa can win that game against yeah. anyone. It's a it's a it's a f up shootout, and we'll win that one uh, every time. So, um, so what did you? I mean, I mean, just generally, I mean, one of the things Bill and I talked about was just there were three plays that you know it was the the miss to Hawkinson, the pick, uh, the pick that was almost a pick six, and it, it was you know punched in the play later, and of course the pick on the goal line, and that you take any one of those away. Um, and we're we're in a completely different place. And you take two of them away, and it's like a, it's like a cakewalk. But you know, if we went over three, and I don't know, did you see anything else in there that was? Well, I mean, for most of the first half, Jim, I thought Iowa looked to be the better team. I did think, uncharacteristically, though, Penn State was the tougher team. Uh, you know, they they were fighting through their mistakes. Right. They 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 were still coming at Iowa with everything they had, and I, I felt like Iowa. Whether it was the big stage or, or nerves, uh, I just stadium, felt that though, was pretty empty. Though kind of, we were commenting on that, the TV coverage there was a lot of empty seats there. I, I don't think it was nerves because of the the crowd. I think it was nerves because of knowing what was at stake. You know, as I've thought about it more, I'm wondering now if maybe knowing uh, that both Wisconsin and uh, and Purdue had lost might have been the worst thing for the team because I I, I kind of just felt like a certain amount of tension or pressing, I guess, especially from the quarterback position. So what I saw, and I told Bill this, is that Penn State actually, that's probably the best defensive line we played all year, and Penn State was actually pushing the uh, the pocket to the point where Stanley couldn't step forward uh, into his throws. And I'm not like an expert on QB mechanics or anything, but it just seemed like everything was just a little cramped up, and he was just trying to do too much with his arm versus, you know, actually going through his you know his his throwing motion i don't know but uh... well i i i think jim you're on to something again i think it's a fair criticism at this point in his career to say that stanley is not great at dealing with pressure if you can make him uncomfortable a few times you do you speed him up for everything after that and i think the announcers even mentioned that during yeah. the game at one point and i think that's a fair criticism of him that uh you know, he's a little in his head. I, it's actually funny, Jim. I don't know if you're on Hockey Report today, but I actually gave you another shout out in uh, one of the threads on there uh, about your intellectual quarterback versus your kind of dumb jock quarterback theory. <laughs> if you want to expound on it here, I'd open it up. I think we might be seeing that, though. Well, yeah. I mean, what, what were we talking? We were just drawing the comparison between like Stanzi and Bethard on the one column versus like uh, Rudock and Christensen uh, on the other side, which is if you get inside your your head a little bit you're overthink you you can overthink yourself whereas if you're just like you know you know one two hut football touchdown you know kind of guys uh seem to be have a little bit more success because they're just not they're just not overthinking it they're just going through the mechanics and it's all muscle memory right right yeah what i said was like drew tate ricky stanzi and i think cj to an extent were uh dudes who like to just go out and throw the football man exactly you know, and that's it. I'm, I'm, I like to, you know, listen to country music and fish and drive a truck and throw a football around yep. and yeah, go woo. I mean, it's exactly like, you know, it's like, 
you know, if you think about somebody who's like a, a snowboarder or a skater or whatever, you ever see an interview with Sean White after he wins six gold medals? I can't even string a sentence together. But he go, he just goes out there, he's like, dude, I was like, you know, and then I was like, whoa, and then it was like, dude. <laughs> Like, yeah, right. that's, that's what we need at the quarterback position sometimes in those big games, especially, I think. Yeah, because those guys are unflappable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they, they have no doubt that it's a game to them. You know, I, I think Stanley is is, is so intelligent uh, and very thoughtful and, and it gets in his head. You know, if a couple bad things happen, he gets some pressure on him, he makes a mistake. Although, you know, he's overcome the other interceptions that he's had earlier this yeah. season. So maybe that's not a fair criticism. He, he's a, he's an enigma at <laughs> it's this a point. Riddle wrapped in a mystery. So, yeah, it's, uh, but, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we, again, we, we constantly remind ourselves these are, these are young folks here and he's what, he's a junior. So, um, you know he's got uh, he's still got some growing uh, to do so but let's uh let's talk a little bit about your um um you know you were you were saying in your column something about uh uh the the big game paradox uh, what were you what were you getting at with that well you know i think it's what's been so frustrating as iowa fans of late is the team is not quite there they they've really like I said, close the gap on on the physical aspect and the talent aspect, I think, with some of the heavyweights. But they can't get over that proverbial hump, and they've made mistakes in critical games. And by my tally, they've lost three, quote-unquote, big games in a row. My, what I call a big game is, uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz has always said his goal every season is to win a Big Ten championship. So I think that's a fair goal to have as a fan. Right. Well, win uh, the West and then win the yeah. Well, yeah. So to me, win the Western Division and give yourself a chance, and ultimately win a Big Ten championship and win a Rose Bowl. Uh, those right. aren't expectations of mine. Those are my uh, aspirations as a fan. right. And because this whole thing with the playoff and just like the BCS, it's so much a roll of the dice, on, dependent on what other teams are doing. Uh, you know, it's outside yeah. of your control. The, you yeah, luck, focus on luck what enters you, into it. Right. Just focus on what you control. Right. And so. To me, a big game is any game where you're playing a ranked foe that's a, a good, solid team, and that game helps you in having a clear path to winning that West Division championship. And by my count, uh, it's three in a row of those that we've lost. Um, you know, Penn State this last Saturday, the Wisconsin game earlier this year, and then also the Wisconsin game uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all of those, you had the opportunity to go on and win uh, and give yourself a path to, to take that big ten, uh, shot in Indianapolis and you just have come up short. So, you know, it's hard to expect them to do it when they haven't done it in a while. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think, uh, you know, you could probably say that the wins, the big wins would be like um, maybe um, Nebraska last year, Ohio State last year and Michigan 2016. Well, and keep in mind that Ohio State game actually occurred before the loss to Wisconsin. So, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you you wipe out your highest ranked opponent from the other division, which is supposedly the better division, and you're going up into Madison. You know that that was a huge game. Um, what I found interesting uh, about the the fallout from from Saturday, talking, I saw Scott Dockerman tweeted about it. 
And then I talked to Mark Emmert in the office today and both said that the level of vitriol and anger from Iowa fans about this loss was the largest they've seen since, uh, I think, the 2014 Nebraska game. Was that the one really? with the punt oh, return God. touchdowns? Oh, and yeah, all, that's the way yeah. you went. You didn't go to. And, oh, oh, yeah, right. it was, that was tough to watch. That was really that or the yeah. North Dakota game uh, in 2016. I think those are the two that just to this day are just, oh, yeah. Yeah, but I wasn't, I mean, I was peeved for, you know, an hour or two after this game, but after I got a chance to kind of digest what had happened and what my, you know, preseason and even this week's expectations were, I don't know that anger was really my reaction so much as disappointment. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, so what do you think? I mean, what do you, what do you think about Iowa fans being angry about it? Should they have been? <sighs> You know, I mean, I think I think that the problem is is that if you'd started off the beginning of the season and said, "Hey, everybody, I think we're looking at nine and three and probably a holiday bowl, citrus bowl," people would have went, "Yeah, it sounds about right." You know, yeah, that was literally my preseason column, Jim. right? But somehow saying that now sounds like, "Oh my God, the wheels have come off," you know, <laughs> because because we were six and one a week ago with really just one tough game left, but mm-hmm. now you know. Northwestern starting to get hot. Purdue, okay, maybe they're not the darling of uh, of the you know the world they were last week, but they're still dangerous. And mm-hmm. Nebraska's starting to sort of get its shit together. So I mean, Illinois is still you know a, a hot mess. So I mean, it just it feels like you know what went through like get past this game and you cruise into Indianapolis suddenly feels like every week is an elimination week. Um, well, so, uh, it is. I mean, it is for it the is. goals that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're expecting uh, to see Kirk Ferentz get his uh, third Big Ten championship and get to uh, the Rose Bowl, you, you can't lose now. Hello? Shit. Yeah, no, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I was on mute, so. Uh, yep. Okay. So, um, well, I think, uh, I think we're hitting all the same notes that we had, uh, uh, you know, I think you and I and Bill are, are completely aligned, which is kind of scary. Um, I guess we just kind of take the optimist and the pessimist and we roll them up and they meet in the middle. Um, but I think, uh, we should probably, um, move on to our guest. And, uh, I think it's a good one, obviously one that, uh, is a weekly favorite here at, uh, at 12 Saturdays. So we can just move on to our guest, Tom Caker of Hawkeye Report. Plus, when we have Tom on, then we don't get as much crap about our supposed clickbait uh, really? headlines. You're not enriching yourself? Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> I, I'm laying in a pile of $50 bills. as Well, we send speak. some of that my way, dude. No. <laughs> What's happening, guys? Oh, you know, we're just uh, still digesting yeah. what it all means licking our wounds over here how have you been i'm all right you get a lot of trick-or-treaters over there tom you know it was a little bit down this year um and i don't know why but uh so i'm stuck with a lot of candy oh we went through probably 600 pieces of candy we were giving out two or three wow. per, but man, it was just like wall-to-wall kids. I think kids come to LeClaire just, I don't know, from all over, I think, Tori. We had five, five trick-or-treaters. Oh, my God. Just come over here, man. We drink all night. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to drive home and then work tomorrow, so and oh. it's and drive an hour, so. Oh, well, all right. 
All right, are you recording yet, Mr. Oh, Boyer? I never I never stopped. Oh, okay. All right, you ready to kick this off, Tom? Yeah, is Bill on tonight or is he out? Um, Bill is in Los Angeles and he is unavailable. Oh, okay. So, so just the yeah. just the two of us tonight, if that's all right. Yeah. Like old times. Yeah. Okay. Throwback uh Thursday. Even though it's Wednesday, yeah. All so right. we we've we've already kind of I mean I think mostly beat the Penn State thing to death, uh, Tom. I mean obviously if you have something you want to vent a little bit, but then uh, I think we just kind of want to talk about maybe talk about Purdue, talk about the rest of the season, what we can you know because there's still a lot to play for. So um, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, and then you I know you two nerds want to talk about basketball so we can throw that in before you leave uh, i'll put it i'll go on mute and let you guys talk about it was uh, a request from the fans Jim. uh well both of them huh wow Ooh, shots oh. fired at fran uh, no i think he meant of our podcast actually <laughs> yeah, that's true. so tom jim and i were just talking uh, about uh some of the vitriol and anger from Iowa fans after this one. Mark Emmert today in the office told me that uh, outside of maybe Nebraska 2014, this was uh, the angriest he's seen Iowa fans about a loss. Uh, You know, you run the most popular Hawkeye fan site on the entire World Wide Web. Did you see that? Um, They were angry, yeah. It was... We hadn't had this in a while where... Yeah, um, and I, I think sometimes it's the road games are worse than the home games because folks are home. You know what I mean? And they're not on the social media channels and so forth. And so they just kind of, and, and I think, um, I guess expectations for this year kind of really ramped up a little higher than maybe I think they probably should have been. You know, I think everybody was kind of like, well, they're going to go to, they're going to, uh, you know, this is, uh, this team's going to uh, Indianapolis and everything. I blame Scott Dockerman for that, Tom. Totally. Scott was just going off on. Yeah, I mean, there was some, you know, uh, sometimes we got to own those. I was a little more pessimistic. I know Doc was pretty hyped. Chad Lystico has been pretty uh, bullish on this team. And I was just kind of like, uh, let's let's see what happens when they get past. If they can get past, if they could have got past Penn State and Purdue, then I'd be like, okay, it's time to really ramp this up. And I just I couldn't get there, and um, that's why I picked Penn State last week, and that's why I'm picking Purdue this week. Oh come on! Ouch! I predicted Purdue. I predicted both these as losses back in July, so I'm just going to stick with my stupidity. Well, and to not bash uh, Scott and and, and no. Chad too much, though, I will say that Iowa, I think, by their level of play, showed they absolutely belong on the field with the Wisconsin's and Penn States oh, of the world. They absolutely. they they're, they're self imploding at times. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not criticizing those guys. I mean, they had very good reasons. I mean, there was there was reason to believe that this team was really really good and. And I still think they are, but I just, they've got to, you know, Pat Anger was talking about this the other day, and they've got to have that grit to win games late. And we saw that they didn't have that uh, against Wisconsin, and we saw that they didn't have that um, against Penn State. They just couldn't finish it off, and that was kind of the story of those two losses. 
Yeah, you know, and that, that brings up a good question that's been rattling around in my head for a while, Tom, is like, when was the last time that Iowa, either the offense drove the field for a, a, a game-winning score, or the defense stopped the other team from doing that to us? I mean, I'm, I'm struck. I think you have to go back to Iowa State in 2017, the, the game where they drove down and wildly took it into overtime with a minute left. You know, I mean, I'm trying to think of, because, I mean, we still had a chance against Wisconsin, we had a chance to drive it down and, and go up by one against Penn State. And I'm just, I'm struggling with, you know, when was the last time they were clutch, right? Is that the word that you guys probably would have used with uh, with anger? It was when they were, you know, when everything was up against them. Yeah. Come through. I can't remember. Yeah, at Iowa State, um, I'd go to, um, you know, maybe you go back to 2015, that game up at Wisconsin when they make a play mm-hmm. with Wisconsin at the goal line where they they just made a play. Nate Meyer makes a play. Yeah, um, yeah those are the kind of games that you want to win. And then, you know, the you know, 2015, the gut punch, the the Michigan State game. I mean, right. that's just you got to close close those out. And that's that's. In a lot of ways, if you look at Iowa football over the years, that's the difference between a good Iowa team, an average Iowa team, slightly above average Iowa team, and a great team, is if they can win those games. And they had every opportunity. I mean, you look at the Penn State game, three plays, I think, kind of defined the outcome of that game. And they all involved Nate Stanley, unfortunately. And I don't want to bang on him, but I mean, they just the interception uh, that led to uh, the Penn State touchdown mm-hmm. uh, that was returned to the three yard line, and then Tommy Stevens runs it in. Uh, the miss of Hawkinson. I mean, I think the three of us might have been able to hit Hawkinson on that one. <laughs> and and then the the final, the you know, yeah. I was. You know, real drive. I mean, the the, the intercept on the goal line, yeah. and those three plays. And that's fourteen points for Iowa and seven less for Penn State. We were just saying that. You know, you took put one of those goes the other way, and you win by one at least. Um, you know, two of them go, and you and it's a it's a walk. So I think that's the I think that's the frustration uh, that that probably is boiling over onto the. Um, you know, onto forums like Hawkeye Report and some of the yeah. uh, some of the media is just that it was right there, and and especially when you have somebody like uh, uh, you know when you're first in goal at the three and you got Makai uh, uh, Sargent, by the way, I think has to be our starting uh, running back at this point if Ivory Kelly Martin is banged up because he he was he's looking really good to me. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, you, and you want to burn clock anyway. So why don't you, you know, at least have first down be a run up the middle. I don't. Uh... Okay. Okay. Though. Here, you, I'll, oh, I'll all right. <laughs> I'm going to interject on that. Cause I saw that argument and I kind of thought that myself at first, but then I thought how many years, years have we begged for Iowa to be less predictable, uh, more aggressive, all of that, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. All that right. play was aggressive it was unpredictable 
And if it, it was the right play, I mean, it was going to be a walk-in touchdown, Jim. So it just wasn't executed. So I just, you know, to now like reverse course go, you know, I will, they should just run it, ram it down the middle, be your, who you are. Um, you, you can't wish that away and then want it back as a security blanket. <laughs> Here's my, my plan for when they're near the goal line, throw it to the six foot five, 200 a 240 pound guy that has a 42 inch vertical leap and just let him <laughs> go get the ball. That's, that's my game plan. And it's worked pretty well yeah. over the years. Yeah. The last that's two not years. Not a bad one. I think it's fairly solid as long as he understands that the ball's coming to him. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so what do you think you, you're calling next week? Uh, you're calling, uh, next week, a loss too, uh, with Purdue. I think, uh, I think definitely they've got that Rondell, um, Rondell Moore, uh, what do you, who do you put on him? How do you stop somebody like that? They have been practicing uh, Devontae Young and Calvin Lockett as him, and I, I said, well, the, you can try that, but there's <laughs> not many guys that, that can can mirror what that guy. I mean, they're like, oh, yeah, he's, they're giving us both giving us uh, really good looks and practice, and I'm like, you can't teach what that kid does. I mean, he's a true freshman, and I – can you think of a more exciting player in the Big Ten this year? I mean, he just—he is. He's this year's version of Saquon Barkley in a lot of ways, and not like a different position, but just that guy that you just kind of your, your mouth is agape when he's making plays because he's just so electric. And uh, I don't know how you slow him down. Um, you know, Purdue has found themselves after that bad start. Uh, they've kind of figured out their passing game. They've settled on a quarterback. And they've won four of their last five. Now they struggled last week against a more the the most physical team they probably faced to date uh, in Michigan State, and it was on the road, and 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 they got them. And I I think maybe that gives Iowa a little more hope that you know Iowa and Michigan State are kind of mirror image in a lot of ways, and in the way they do things on the field at least, not off the field, but on it. And I, I think maybe that gives you some hope that mm-hmm. they can, that a more physical team is going to have uh, an advantage because Purdue's kind of they've shot themselves in the foot a lot this year and they're really undisciplined and uh, and they're giving up uh, you know almost uh, 300 yards passing a game I think it's 293 this season so there's some plays that can be made I was talking to one of our Purdue guys the other day and. He said that uh, Purdue's on pace to have uh, a historically bad pass defense. Like the, and, and Purdue's had some bad teams in the last decade since Joe Tiller left. And to say it's historically bad defending the pass is saying something. Yeah, it's like being the worst Cleveland Browns quarterback. Yeah, that's a, that's not a <laughs> label you want to have, that's for sure. Uh, you know, uh, going back to the Rondell Moore question, Tom, the way you you don't beat him, what you do is you beat Blau and you beat up their offensive line. This is, yeah. to me, a game that Iowa has to have that defensive line live up to its billing and be completely disruptive because Blau and, and Moore will kill you otherwise, even with your, what, what are they calling this package they got for that? Oh, the uh, cash package, right? The ca- cash, uh, yeah, the cash personnel is what they call it. And that's with that's the one with... Uh, uh, with hooker at linebacker right, and they're right. going to probably stay in that. And then they've got their other one, which is the Raider, which they bring in the four defensive ends to rush the passer. What they do with more though, is they, 
just throw him a lot of kind of more like slant passes or just kind of crossing patterns uh, and just get the ball in his hands fairly quickly. So they're, they don't bomb it down the field to him a ton. Uh, so it's going to kind of negate uh, Iowa's ability to rush the passer, but they've got to be aware of him coming across the middle because then he gets it and then he's got a little space and him in space is just, it's, it's not a good thing. Yeah, you got to be sure tacklers and uh, get him down. My part two, Tom, on yeah. on shutting him down is uh, what I call the Tom Brady rule. He can't beat you if he's on the bench. Exactly. So uh, the Iowa offense has to execute and has to be good in this game and have those long drives that end in touchdowns and chew up a bunch of clock. You do that, get them behind, and then I think the game falls into your hands. You can blitz more. You know they're going to throw. That's my point you know, exactly, Tori. Is like you you have one of those Maryland style games where you eat up 35, 38, 40 minutes of, of possession, and uh, and he can't hurt you if he's just sitting there watching. Yeah, you know they did that last week too. They they really ate up a lot of clock. They you know they had uh, time of possession was thirty five eighteen to twenty four. 42 in Iowa's favor, and then you, you saw what they did against Maryland, almost 41 minutes of possession. And if you can, it, the best way to, like you said, the best way to slow down Rondell Moore is to have him standing on the sidelines watching the game. Well, and I, I'm going to go ahead and call this the Nate Stanley bounce back game. I mean, uh, this is do or die time, and, you know, uh, the kid's a, a leader, and, you know, no one's harder on himself than himself. But, uh, I, I think, you know, that's why I'm actually kind of optimistic about this one. I think Tom, I, I just think Stanley's too good to have, uh, three clunkers in a row. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, he just, you know, I ran some of the stats, uh, earlier this week that in those road games in the big 10, just specifically that, uh, in those bigger venues, a lot of people there and it's kind of hostile, uh, he's completing 45% of his passes. That's, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan State last year, Penn State this year. Well, I guess and, it's a good thing they're playing in West Lafayette then, right? <laughs> well, hey, but here, here's the other thing. West Lafayette is sold out this weekend. Uh, it's a it's a full house from what I was told. So uh, that's, you know, it's going to be a little bit – it's not going to be – uh, the West Lafayette that we're accustomed to seeing, which is about, you know, 10 people in the stands and, and nine of them are gone by the third quarter. Well, Nebraska uh, was sold out last year too. And uh, we saw like they, at the end, I think they were handing out tickets with trick or treaters. So in all, in those, all, it's just bad teams. The, the teams that aren't good, he's completing 61% of his passes. I think it's maybe 62%. So it's a big difference when he's facing those bad teams like Indiana or somebody like that on the road versus, or Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, when he's on the road in these tough environments. I, I, Northwestern was another one where good defense on the road. Uh, he's just, he's struggled. Now, Purdue is not a great defense. They're, they're a decent defense, so they're kind of deceiving because they're giving up a lot of yards, but they're uh, only giving up 22.7 points per game. So uh, they're not giving up a lot of points, but they're giving up a lot of yards. That leads me into the question I wanted to ask you, Tom, which is uncharacteristically bad red zone team this year for Iowa on offense. And what do you think is the the root of that? I mean, it used to be automatic with Iowa once they got it inside the twenty. 
Yeah, it has been the last two weeks. Now, I think two weeks ago, that's weather-related more than anything else. I just, you know, that's just kind of one of those anomaly games where the wind just kind of took everything away uh, offensively. It just made both teams, uh, you know, playing left-handed almost the entire game. Uh, but last week, they're, they had plenty of opportunities. I mean, I don't know what you guys thought, but, I, you know, after Iowa gets those two safeties and they kind of move the ball down the field a little bit, there was a chance that they Iowa should have been up, you know, maybe, uh, you know, 18 nothing, You know, and then what's Penn State going to do? Yeah. Instead, it, you know, they had to settle for field goals and – and the the margin wasn't there, and and uh, you know Penn State had a little bit of life because they got some stops. And, and you know, and I mentioned it that it was hard for me to give a lot of uh, hat tips to Penn State this week, but I will give a hat tip to one guy, and uh, that's as much as I don't like his antics. Trace McSorley breaking off that back breaking touchdown run after being legitimately gimped up, not like fake Aaron Rodgers faux heroics crap, but actually injured. That 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 was pretty impressive to see. Yeah, he is, uh, it, you know, one of my friends uh, uh, texted me last week uh, before the game and, and said, if McSorley beats Iowa, is he on the Mount Rushmore of, uh, you know, quarterbacks against Iowa during the Ferentz era? And I said, probably is yeah. because he's broken their back twice. He's like uh, Antoine randall on there. Oh. I think <laughs> like biggest the biggest head on that uh, on that one I think is probably Antoine Randall but uh, Trace McSorley's on there now is the guy that just tormented Iowa I mean last year winning it at the buzzer and and, and then this year you know just he just makes plays he's just he, the kid's a winner I mean you know he's not pretty all the time uh but boy the kid just wins All right now we have to complete the freaking Mount Rushmore now that you brought it up does it have to be quarterbacks well, What's that? Christian McCaffrey's on there. Let's throw no, him. that was just one game, though. I, that I was, was enough. I'm talking about your Mount Rushmore uh, question, Tom. Would, does it have to be quarterbacks, or can I nominate Ron Dane? Yeah. Uh, boy, that's a good question. Ron Dane would probably be on there. Um, Bobby freaking Olive, maybe? Well, no, that's not, I'm just going Ferentz era. Oh, Ferentz era. Okay. Just Ferentz era. So, so. that wouldn't. It would Dane, Dane, yeah. So well, Dane was in there the early Ferentz era when he was trucking. That he was the uh, oh, that was that's the right when he set the record. You know, so yeah, I would I would put Ron maybe put Ron Dane on there. Not, heck, you might put Saquon Barkley on there. I mean, he yeah. torched him years ago at State College and then dominated the game last year in Iowa City. So you could put two Penn State guys on there. Like some squirrely little Northwestern quarterback, too, right? Yeah, there's probably some, you know, Dan Persa or somebody Dan like Persa, that. Dan or I was going to say like Troy Davis or something like that. So. What about Franz Kafka or whatever his name was? Or, 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 or uh, Seneca Wallace. I, I'm sorry, I blocked that out, Tom. I don't know who you're speaking of. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Now our, our Mount Rushmore has just become a chain of mountains, right? Because there's just <laughs> not enough uh, space on one single mountain to carve all these faces. So, so yeah. Tom, uh, still so much to play for, though. I think we were just joking around earlier that Northwestern, oddly enough, is the team that controls their destiny in the West. Um, but uh, 
But, you know, Iowa is still right there in it, and along with Wisconsin and Purdue, um, this weekend essentially being an elimination game that takes that takes that horse race down to, from four to three. So um, so what do you see coming out of the, the West this year? I mean, you, you ready to make a call? Is it going to be the Badgers for the 18th time in six years, or who's, uh, who's going to take it? I th- actually think the Badgers are probably the least likely of the four that are still in this race to uh, emerge in Indianapolis. I just I think the Badgers are on the downside right now, and um, yeah, I I kind of believe that maybe there's you know uh, you know there there's a little chink in that armor right now with the uh, with them, and they're just not playing that well. Um, I think it's going to be either Iowa or Northwestern. That's my that's my guess. So, like the winner of this game, unless it's Iowa, then it's the winner of next week's game. Yeah, if Iowa wins this week, then next week's game is, uh, I think, basically for the the Big Ten West. I just think that's how it's going to play out. You know, as much as everybody's saying, well, Northwestern's in the driver's seat, uh, so is Iowa. If they win the next two games, is there any doubt that they're going to go to Indianapolis? Uh, well, we're still waiting for for a Wisconsin loss. Do you think uh, yeah, but, uh, Michigan or who are they going to lose to? Um, Penn State, Penn State and... at Penn State at Purdue. So between those two, yeah, yeah, I think the yeah, concern but... is is that Northwestern really has the easiest path. They they control their own destiny, and the only tough game they have left is us. Right? I mean, they play Notre Dame, but that's not going to count. Yeah, and both teams play uh, Illinois. Yeah, and uh, who else does Northwestern have? Uh, like, uh, oh, at Minnesota. Or at Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, that's not much of a threat either. Yeah, like the boat the boat is taking on water. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, and I I don't know if I'm supposed to share this or not, but uh, Scott Dockerman and I were tweeting back and forth, and he still has Iowa winning winning the West. So sorry if I wasn't supposed to tell people that, Scott. But oh no, that's that's you know that's a it, it's I think it's either going to be Iowa or Northwestern. That's just my prediction. But um, you know the the best story might be Purdue if they made it. I I know. The, but there's so many uh, national media members that are uh, uh, Northwestern journalism graduates that uh, they're probably <laughs> be all over that. Uh, What's that uh, though, Jim? That you always say though, if it was Purdue, that would be another one of those where Iowa's what the uh, the uh, antagonist oh, and the other team's always, uh, hero. We're always the villain. Story. We're always the villain in everybody else's Cinderella story, magical season. They always we're always good enough that they have to get by us, but never good enough to have that season of our own, except for twenty fifteen. Um, but yeah, I I think I think you're right, Tom. I think it's you know I think it's us or Northwestern. Um, and you know I still have my reservations, Tori. I don't cancel them uh, until it's uh, completely mathematically impossible for us to get there or and or thanksgiving when i'm going to get billed for them so i've still got those rooms in in indy yeah it's funny you mention that because i was literally just thinking today about oh it'd be kind of nice to go to indy for the game and chill out i i I, yeah so let's hope it happens get your get your reservation at st elmo's for that friday night (laughs) and my friend ollie our friend from england that's adopted the the hawkeyes as his uh 
non-soccer football team. Uh, he says he'll fly into Chicago, Tori, if we make it to Indianapolis. So, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, Tom, it's always it's always a pleasure. I don't know if we can uh, uh, get you to make your prediction. It sounds like you're you're kind of thinking Purdue this week, which is, I think, probably going with your head over your heart at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I just I think there's a real chance I was going to win. I'm just going to kind of stick with what I had earlier this year. I and I you know what? Honestly, I've got some residue from Purdue last year and just so, yeah. seeing how yeah. Just seeing how how Jeff Brom took Iowa apart in the second half. And that looked on, easy. Just on two plays, really. Two drives. Yeah. Yep, two drives. That was it. Yeah. Um so I think uh, it's going to be a fairly high-scoring game, though. So that's just my prediction. Do we know what the weather's supposed to be like? I didn't even. I look think it's either. supposed to be decent. Yeah, it's supposed to be decent. Um, yeah, that the for if you've got some degenerates that listen, uh, I think the over/under was like fifty-two or something. So that might be a might be some value there. Yeah, I see an over play on that one. Yeah, I think an over. Oh, so, awesome. did you want to still talk basketball? Well, this is where I go on mute. You guys, <laughs> so, I will say, I will say that I made a couple of games last year, and I, I like to go to basketball games, but uh, I uh, I didn't enjoy them very much last year. Uh, so, will I? There wasn't I, much to I, enjoy. Will I enjoy going to basketball games a couple of times this year, Tom? Yeah, I think so. I I'm a little more bullish on this basketball team mainly because i don't know how it would be physically pa- possible to be worse defensively or even that bad <laughs> in, uh, this year i just don't think there's a team that's capable of doing that uh and i i also come back to they've got their nine top scores back from a good offensive team and they added and you guys are on the eastern side of the state with me and I don't. It, I think Joe Wieskamp's maybe the most talented basketball player from this area, easily probably since Ricky Davis. You know, I, I was just gonna say. I mean, I. Yeah. No. I. I. I loved your column about uh, reasons to be optimistic about this team this year. And I mean, I'm always optimistic, probably overly, especially with basketball. But I honestly think that Wieskamp has the possibility to be a, a generational type player i mean that one is that iowa fans really? talk about i really do i mean uh, the kids just got checks every box and i expect him to have a similar impact as ricky davis did you know and that team was uh, I call, they, no 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 i just mean that he's gonna be in the discussion for big 10 freshman of the year um you know he's gonna be one of the scoring leaders on the team and he's gonna make a big difference yeah, I, I think he could be a 10.4 rebound kind of guy, two, two assists, two, three assists a game guy. I I think that's that's achievable for him. Um, you know, honestly, I you know the guy who I would compare him to maybe uh, is is a kind of a a, a more uh, athletic version of Bobby Hansen back in the day, just a guy who can got some size on the wing and can shoot it and makes plays and can rebound just, you know, and as we know, Bobby played in the, played in the league for a long time. 
Yeah, and crafty. Bobby was crafty, and I think yeah. that's uh, Wieskamp is. But don't sleep on his athleticism. And I mean, yeah. we've had this discussion, and I, you know, I don't want to touch that third rail topic. But let's just say, if he had other qualities similar to Ricky Davis, I think he'd get a lot more hype for his athleticism and his dunking yeah. ability that he is now. He's a really good athlete. He's just uh, he's a tough kid. Um, you know, I, I'll go back to that. I was down there in Muscatine that uh, that night when they played Bettendorf with DJ Carton, and he dropped fifty on him. And yeah, was, he scored all their points in the first Jeez. half. Well, the the comp I kind of had, and and you you know, I I screw these up sometimes with position and height and stuff, but I kind of saw a little Adam Haluska style in him too. Yeah, there's there's some Haluska in him. He's not, uh, you know, Adam was a freakish athlete, uh, you know, still is. I mean, but he he, uh, I don't know if he's got the the foot speed and and uh, quickness uh, level that that Adam had, but um, you know, in terms of just what he does, yeah, it's that's a pretty fair comparison. So what what is kind of do you think, uh, Tom, fan expectations should be for this season? I mean, uh, uh, you know, what what keeps McCaffrey's seat from from heating up at all? Well, I, you know, I'm really interested to see what this team looks like when they go to New York City. I, I think that's kind of our first benchmark. That Oregon team's a top 20 team in the country. Uh, got a lot of young players that are really talented. Manute Bowles kids on that team, Bowl Bowl. Uh, How they, tall is he? He's like seven three or something. He he's so nice. They named him twice. You know he uh, <laughs> he's really good. Um, Peyton Pritchard's on that team. They've got some other uh, wings that are really good. Uh, and then you know if they win that one, uh, you probably play in Syracuse. And you know Bayheim's always a uh, you know a tough out and whatever they're doing with the length and the two three zone. So. Yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of the first look we're going to get and say, boy, are these guys better defensively or not? Because we're not going to learn anything against Guilford on Sunday when, you know, Guilford lost to. Uh, by the way, Guilford, they're, who they're playing the exhibition game, lost a high point last night, uh, coached by Tubby Smith, eighty-one to eighty-one to forty-five. Uh, so. Not gonna. I, I if that gives you any, any indication of what the scoreboard is going to look like on Sunday, um, uh, and I don't think they're going to get tested in those first two games. So, but I just want to see them against play better defense against good teams, uh, not the UMKCs of the world, but uh, you know, an Oregon or a Syracuse or a Connecticut, and if they can, you know, come out of that at least one and one, I'll, I'll feel better about it. And then I think the next real significant test would probably be uh, Iowa State. There's going to be so much hype around that Iowa State team this year. Got a lot of talent, and, um, you know, it's always a big game. So they've just got – if they can become an average defensive team, I'm not even asking them to be great, just decent, uh, they can make the NCAA tournament. And Ken Palm has his rankings out, and I go by what KenPalm.com says, and he has their defensive efficiency up to 81st in the country. If that ends up being where they're at, they're in the NCAA tournament. Wow. So do we have to just assume that last year was a sort of uh, 
historically underperforming team? Um, Because, I mean, I kind of felt like that. Um, Yes and no. Uh, You know, last last year when all this was kind of unfolding before our eyes, I went back and I looked at Fran's numbers and the defensive numbers, field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage, and it was – Fairly similar, unfortunately, to every other Fran McCaffrey team other than the four years that Adam Woodbury, Mike Cassell, and Anthony Clements were on the roster. Um, Woodbury mm. just Woodbury and Cassell and, and Clements just gave them something defensively that mm. um and and that was the difference. And they were pretty good defensive teams during those years. Uh but yeah, because I didn't, I didn't think of Peter Jock as being like a defensive standout. You know, he was he no. was a shooter. So have how you know how there was a huge drop off when basically he was your biggest loss. That was the head scratcher for me as a casual observer. Yeah, it just it was kind of two years in the making, and the years before, you know, Woodbury and Cassell and and Clements were there. It was there was not much, but that was again building a roster too. Uh, and they were building the team, uh, but yeah, it's they've got to just get too competent on on defense. And I I thought the most revealing thing Fran McCaffrey maybe has ever said uh, since he came to Iowa was basically he admitted that he thought, well, we could, you know, my mentality's always been out, we'll just outscore people. And, well, and that, you know, going back to what Jim said, that's why the loss of Jock hurt so bad, because Jock gave you just enough to get over that and, and pass that up. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And and last year that, you know, with Bohannon's foot bothering him most of the year and uh, they just didn't have, you know, because the year before you had guys that could make those big shots late in games. You saw Bohannon do that a couple of years ago up at Wisconsin. You saw Pete do that, uh, you know, different times during the year. They didn't have a guy that could do that last year and saw so many of those games that were relatively close slip away uh, just because they just couldn't get good possessions, but also they couldn't get stops. And yeah. if you can't get, buckets you better get stops and and uh it took it took the off season to fran for fran to finally come around to saying we got to get better defensively and and um i'm glad he's there i'm glad he figured that out and hopefully he can get them more engaged and frankly if if guys aren't playing good defense he's got a deep enough team that maybe sitting next to him will get some of those guys to play defense well, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, uh, like, as you mentioned, uh, playing some of those good teams, Iowa State, uh, the New York teams, and then certainly once the Big Ten starts, we'll know a lot about how their defense is shaping up. So, all right, I, all I, right. I really you, appreciate guys have, the, uh, you guys have done it. All right, fine. I'm excited about basketball. Are you happy now? Hey, yeah. keep, keep an eye on Macy Daly this year. I, you know, he wants to be the defensive stopper. He's put on weight in his upper body. I just got a sneaky feeling about the kid this year that he's going to do some good things um, this season uh, for the Iowa basketball program. So keep keep uh, if you want an under the radar guy, that's my guy. Well, you know what I learned from this conversation, Jim? Yes. 
that I am a defensive stopper because I've really put some weight on the upper body this uh, <laughs> offseason as well. So I guess that's I think good news. If it's hanging over your waist, it becomes the lower body at that point. <laughs> that's, that was uncalled for. <laughs> We're uh, we're not doing so well with keto stuff over here, Tom. Sorry about that. That's that's okay. I, I'm I'm fighting the battle too. It's just you know, the, once football season hits, and and especially this month in November when it's, uh, I you know it's the the worlds collide time for me with basketball and football. It's just this is the roughest month for uh, somebody who covers both beats. A lot of junk food on the road. Yeah, it yeah. is. Well, thanks for joining us, of course, and always lending us a, a few uh, nuggets of your wisdom. I think uh, we certainly um, make, I think Hawkeye Report is our, our hub of all the uh, of all of our Hawkeye knowledge and certainly the place where Tori goes to mix it up with the, the fan base. So um, really well, enjoy put, having put you good, on there. Put a good tease up this week to get people yes. to click. And make people irrationally angry. I think I would never do that, Tom. I mean, nothing but straightforward. But, (laughs) but no. And you might tell Blair that the secret is the word podcast in your title is no clicks. And I noticed Blair did that with you guys as last week. And not to be braggy, but we had like four times as many uh, pages. (laughs) Oh, absolutely! Because people get mad when you. uh, maybe I'll just post the podcast. Uh, <laughs> the best you won't keep... believe what I said on the podcast this week. Number don't seven will melt your heart. Podcast. Yeah. Rule number one, don't use the word podcast. See, Tori, I think you should just come right out and say, click here to enrich Torby. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what Bill tried last week. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, you know we're all rolling in those big, big stacks of podcasts. <laughs> internet dollars so awesome it's it's us and bill simmons that's it you know (laughs) awesome well thanks tom we'll let you get back to your halloween uh observations thanks for giving us a bit of your time and uh, sharing some of your thoughts and perspective and uh, i i'm not ashamed to say i hope you're absolutely wrong about this week and that (laughs) iowa bounces back against purdue and that we still have that golden brick road to indianapolis laid out in front of us well, I, as always, when I predict an Iowa loss, I always hope I'm wrong. <laughs> and often you are, so double <laughs> double the pleasure. I am. I am. Thanks, Thanks for Tom. Guys. Always enjoy it. Uh, it's always good to have uh, Tom. And he did, Tori, he did the impossible. He actually got me excited about possibly uh, seeing a few basketball games this year. Um, but, uh, but you know, he, I don't know if I can get past his picking at Purdue. I, I understand where it's coming from, um, but, uh, I mean, can you pick two in a row against this team? Well, I mean, uh, first do we want to address the genome of Kanalich yes, again? Yes, you won. You were the only again. one to pick. Wait a second. Two in a row. No, no, no. no I no, won the previous one. one. That's yeah. That's it. But that's I will say it. that you won by picking Penn State, so I hope you feel dirty. No, I do. I, and I was really kind of hoping for the reverse jinx, but uh, alas, it was not to be. Yeah. So who goes first this time? Uh, Bill texted me his tweets, uh, texted me his pick. Uh, he's well, saying, we might as well read them. All right, so he's saying Iowa 27, Purdue 24. Um, and his pick to click is kind of what you were saying, is that Stanley's going to bounce back and, and uh, have his uh, redemption game against that, uh, what Tom was saying was just a, an atrocious pass defense for Purdue. Um, so what do you think of Bill's pick? 
Uh, Bill's pick is uh, rather close to mine, actually. Uh, and I'll go next if you don't mind, unless you're just dying. No, go for it. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate where Tom was coming from. But one thing that kind of struck me as odd is, you know, he kind of referenced what he was talking about, why he was taking Purdue about uh, Stanley not coming up when he's played good defenses and in hostile environments on the road. Um, I will acknowledge that a sold out Ross Aid Stadium is moderately hostile, probably equivalent to playing Iowa State. Um, but as he mentioned, the the Purdue guys themselves say this is a historically bad Purdue defense. Right. Um, and so for that reason and that reason alone, I think Iowa's going to right the ship. And like I mentioned, I'm going to call this the Nate Stanley bounce back game. I, I think you know, he's going to absorb the, his lessons from the last two games where he's really struggled. I think he's going to have a better mindset. And more importantly, I think he's going to have a lot more time to sit back in the pocket. And if you give him that, he can and will kill you. So I like Iowa scoring a lot in this one. Um, I, I think they're going to struggle to contain Purdue as well. Uh, I had the score at uh, 31 to 27, Iowa coming out ahead. Uh, but leading most of the game, I think Purdue stages a late comeback, but falls okay. short. Ben, your pick to click, you are calling it Stanley as well. I am going with Stanley, and I, I know that goes against my general. It's lame to pick the quarterback, you know, the quarter because the quarterback always matters. But I, I think this is going to be redemption time. Okay, awesome. Well, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game too, and I think it would be really easy to pick Stanley. But I'm going to go with Hawkinson again. And I think Iowa wins somewhere a little bit higher. I'm going to go with 33 to 24. Is um, it the price is right, Jim? Well, I just, I think that... Uh, why don't you I, bet $1? $1. Why do you talk about You did 30, what'd you say? I said 31 to 24. 31 to 20. I thought you said 31 to 20. Okay, 31 to 24. Remember, it's closest without going over, Jim. Is it? Okay. Well, I, I just I feel like they're going to put up a little bit more, uh, you know, um, but um, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make it easier. I'll do 33 21. How's that? I like uh, it. See, okay. confidence that I just talked you into losing. Well, because I think that, you know, I think that what we talked about is that keeping uh, Rondell Moore on uh, on the bench and, con- you know, ball control offense that scores, reliably scores, like we saw against, uh, uh, you know, like we saw against Indiana, for example. Where you Minnesota. Just kinda, and Minnesota, where you just chew up a lot of clock and march it down and punch it in and do it over and over and over. It just kind of this wear you down demoralizing offense that never lets you uh never lets you back into the game i think that's that's kind of what i'd like to see this week um so i think i think that's and i'm going to say my pick to click is hawkinson just because you know even even last week even on that uh uh even on that last drive when he was diving for that ball out of bounds and uh and you know the announcers on the replay were just you know talking about what a great catch it was and i said tory that's not a catch you know, and uh, and they reversed it. But, you know, I just love the fact that he was putting himself out there even at the very end. And, you know, the guy has that grit, that gamer mentality that we've been talking about that's lacking somewhat in, in this team. Um, and, you know, he's got it. So I'll, I'll go with Hawkinson. Yeah, I, I really like that pick, too. And, you know, I think the offensive line needs to have a much better game, too. I mean, you know, a lot of bashing of Stanley, but, you know, Alaric Jackson had maybe his worst game ever. And there were just some, you know, way too much penetration by Penn State, too much pressure. So they got to get over that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, let's just say that, you know, we'll be um, 
happy uh, 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 this time next week, or we will be uh, canceling those Indianapolis hotel rooms one way or uh, the other. So uh, we'll find out more. But until then, we'll just say, as we always do, on Iowa. Go Hawks. Be Nebraska, said Bill. <laughs> Mr. Bill. Mr. Bill. Mr. <laughs> Bill.